0: You're listening to episode 166 of the Pastor Writer Podcast, conversations on reading, writing, and the Christian life. I'm your host, Chase Replogle. Logal. Well, it is almost the end of the year. The Christmas holiday is just a few weeks away, and with it, New Year's just around the corner. And so I have a little tradition on the podcast of looking back over the previous 12 months and writing down the books that have most impacted me and offering them to you as a list of my top 10 books. You see a lot of these going around right now, book awards, book lists, and so this is my contribution, not necessarily to my favorite books or the best books I read, but the 10 books that impacted my thinking most in the previous 12 months. I hope what this episode does is maybe spark some conversation. I'd love to hear about the books that have impacted you, and maybe we can both add some books to our to-read list, maybe some gift ideas over the holiday, but we can keep sharing the books that are most impactful. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy this episode. Each year as Christmas comes around, I sit down to make a list of the 10 books that most impacted my thinking in the previous year. It's an interesting exercise for anyone to do. I look back through all of my Amazon orders, there's usually plenty of books there. I look at my bookshelf, my desk, books that have been sent to me, and I pull up my Audible account and look through all of the audiobooks that I read in the previous year. And I use those to put together to try to recognize the books that have impacted me most in the last 12 months. The list is not necessarily the best books that I read or even the most interesting books that I've read. There's been plenty of those two categories as well, but these books are the most impactful to my thinking. They're the books that I found myself thinking about even after I had finished them and put them down or books that impacted writing that I was doing, projects that I was working on. That also gives me the freedom to put rereads on this list. Not all of the books here are new releases, though many of them are. Great books have a way of reemerging in your life. You read them once and then find them helpful, but for some reason pick them back up again, perhaps maybe years later, and you find them even more compelling the second or third times. Sometimes it's as simple as having grown in your thinking or your reading ability. Other times it's how the world has changed in that gap of years and suddenly the book feels more prophetic in some way. So, there's certainly books on this list that are brand new, books out even in the last few months, and there's some books as we begin the list that are much, much older. So, on behalf of 2021, the end of the year coming just a few weeks before us, here's the books, my list of 10 books that impacted me most in the previous year. Book number one, The Abolition of Man by C.S. Lewis. Did I mention that some of these were not new releases? C.S. Lewis's book is the oldest book I have on this list, and I've read it a couple of times before. It's not a particularly long book, but as I finished up the manuscript and my edits for The Five Masculine Instincts, I found myself regularly returning to this book, enough so that I sat down and read through it a whole altogether another time. When you get your copy of The Five Masculine Instincts, it won't be hard for you to find Lewis' footnotes. They're scattered all over the place, particularly at the beginning of the book. Lewis has been a huge help in trying to understand why we no longer talk about Christian character, the development of character, and the impact that it's having particularly on men today. This isn't the easiest of C.S. Lewis's book. If for some reason you've never picked up a Lewis book, it might not be the place to start. He's writing to a very specific issue in time, his, his own day and culture, and a quick Google search, maybe listening to somebody do an overview of the book might help give you some of that context. But if you haven't read it, I do think this book is worth it. I found it to be remarkably prophetic to our own time. Lewis has a way, maybe being in England, of seeing where we're going in the decades to come. I wouldn't be surprised if Lewis books end up on lists, my top influential list for many years to come, but this year it was the book, The Abolition of Man. Book two, A Burning in My Bones, the authorized biography of Eugene H. Peterson by Wynne Collier. This one is a new release, and I think I've included a Eugene Peterson book on every previous list of yearly reads I've had on this podcast. This time, though, it's not one of Peterson's books, but the authorized biography of Peterson's life. As you probably know, Peterson, having passed away before he did, gave Wynn Collier permission to be the official biographer and access to all of his letters and content and files, which is incredible. I had the chance to read an advanced copy of this book and have Wynne on the podcast. And if you're a fan of Peterson's work, you're going to love this biography. Win does justice to Peterson, not just in the content, but also in the, the style of the book, the writing itself. The book is a must-read. It's so refreshing to catch a glimpse of Peterson's life through private letters and personal conversations and still find the same man and author that you liked so much in his own work. Wynn rightfully gives you the whole story, though, Peterson's struggles and questions included. There are moments that those are somber and even sad, but in an era in which so many pastoral heroes have disappointed so many of us, it is incredible, an incredible gift to read of a life lived in a long, and I'll add the word, humble obedience. Book number three, Stone and Dung, Oil and Spit, Jewish Daily Life in the Time of Jesus by Jody Magnus. Over the last few years, I've been trying to dig deeper into the literature of Second Temple Period Judaism. Thanks to an incredible professor and friend, Dr. Wave Nunnally, I've come to recognize how much the writings of this period help us better understand scripture. I've been reading more of the Talmud and Josephus and Philo, and I've spent a lot of time trying to better understand the Qumran community and the contribution of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Jody Magnus's book is a great intersection between that literature of the period and the daily life and routines of the period, what it would have been like living in the city or in the rural community or maybe one of these religious communities like Qumran during the time of Jesus. A third of this book is really quotations from those primary sources, so it's a great introduction to them as well. Though Jodi isn't trying to write a Christian book, she also helps connect those primary documents to Scripture as well, so you'll find it helpful in trying to better understand what is happening in Scripture. If you're interested in this sort of thing, she also has a really good Great Courses lecture series on archaeology and the Holy Land that you can find on Audible. I listened to the whole thing and found it to be really interesting as well. Book number four, The Intentional Father, A Practical Guide to Raising Sons of Courage and Character by John Tyson. I didn't know much about John or this book when I first picked it up. Frankly, my expectations weren't all that high. This idea of practical guides to anything is not really the type of reading that I often find myself drawn to. But I was wrong to be suspicious about this book. John helped me realize a lot of important things. He helped me realize how the church is missing opportunities to mark the growth and progress of our kids. I liked this book enough that I had John on the podcast, and even in our conversation, he got me thinking about my own lack of intentionality as a father, but also somebody leading a congregation of fathers and kids. There's plenty of room in this book for you to apply it in your own lives, your own family, your own sons in church. I don't think John is too prescriptive in how you should be doing it. But I'm convinced he is right in that we don't lead our sons through stages of growth. And if we don't, the culture will step in and offer the world's initiations into those rites of passage. Uh, the world does it with quite different outcomes than we would. And so by it, I think John makes the case we have to embrace a kind of intentionality that many of us have been neglecting. Fathers and churches are going to have to be more intentional about leading, particularly in this time and culture. And I think John makes that case well. Book five, God Walk, Moving at the Speed of Your Soul by Mark Buchanan. This is a really interesting book, and in many ways very different from the other books that I've got on my list. I'm not quite sure where to begin with it. Um, I first got introduced to Mark's writing through the book Rest of God, which I found really helpful in thinking through Sabbath and has been on one of my previous lists of important reads. Mark is an incredible writer. Godwalk is just enjoyable to read, so if for no other reason, I think you would enjoy it because he writes it so well, but there's several more layers to what makes this book impactful. The premise of this book is that every religion has a form of external movement associated with it. The Hindus practice yoga, the Buddhists have Tai Chi, and according to Mark, Christians have walking. That may strike you as odd, but the book is pretty convincing in pointing out how central the image of walking is to scripture. It shows up Old Testament, New Testament in all sorts of ways, both as analogies and within the actual narrative accounts. Mark doesn't mean, though, that walking is some means of grace or salvation, but he uses this discipline of walking as a way of speaking about a far deeper topic, how we pace our lives. Really, this book is about developing a relationship with God at the pace of walking, a human speed. In a world of life hacks and shortcuts, I found this book to be both challenging and incredibly refreshing to read. During those weeks of the pandemic lockdowns a couple of years ago, my family did a lot of walking. We walked all around our neighborhood, the streets, down around a cul-de-sac and back. It really became a daily routine for us after dinner. For most of us, we were definitely living at a different pace during that time. And reading this book got me thinking about how much of that I miss and how much of it probably still should exist in my life. For so many of us, we've just simply sped back up. And if you've realized the ways that may not have been helpful, I think Mark's book, Godwalk, could be a really interesting read for you in this coming year. Book six, The Complete Short Stories of Ernest Hemingway by, well, Ernest Hemingway. I usually include some fiction on this reading list, and I've been reading plenty of it this year. A lot of it has been by Hemingway. I've just about finished everything that Hemingway has written, and there have been some high points and some low points. Some incredible and some kind of weird. For most of this year, this major collection of his short stories has been sitting on my nightstand. What to say about Hemingway? Many would say that no recent writer has had a greater impact on the English language than Hemingway. I mean, he won a Nobel Peace Prize for literature, after all. If you like writers like John Grisham or Stephen King, you owe thanks to Hemingway for opening up that style, making it a possibility. It's hard to recognize how innovative Hemingway was because his impact is now so pervasive. It just sounds like the way people write. But if you go back and read James Joyce or F. Scott Fitzgerald, both friends and contemporaries of Hemingway, you'll recognize right away that he was doing something profoundly different in his day. Hemingway describes his approach as an iceberg. He gives you only what you can see above the surface, but by it you can somehow sense and feel the size and weight of what is below. In that way, it very much is like life and like learning to recognize all that we don't see beneath the surface in life, in ourselves and in others. It may not be your thing, Hemingway's writing or Hemingway's stories. Like I said, these are the books that got me thinking. Hemingway certainly does that for me. Book seven. The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self by Carl Truman. I know on this one that I'm late to the party. It seems almost odd to have waited to the end of the year to talk about it because everyone has been talking about this book all year. Someone told me Ben Shapiro called it one of the most important books he's read this year as well. I found this book to be extremely helpful in understanding not only our current cultural moment, but also some difficult reading that I've been trying to work through on my own. Truman offers a path into the writings of Taylor and Reeve and McIntyre. I've worked through some of their writings, the key books that they've written, the ones they're most known for. And for all three of these men, I needed Truman's help to connect all of the dots and pieces in their work. Truman is really an introduction into these major ways of thinking and understanding the moment that we find ourselves in. And he does a phenomenal job of walking you into it. Truman begins his book with an exploration of this phrase, I am a man trapped in a woman's body. He points out that just a generation ago, that statement was completely incomprehensible. It made no sense. It didn't make sense to anyone. But Truman says today that same line, that phrase, not only makes sense to most people, but in our culture, it's indisputable, a kind of truth. What changed in just one generation of time that would make those words mean something that used to mean nothing? Truman offers an answer for how our culture has so radically shifted under our feet, something that both myself but as a pastor looking at my congregation, I see people trying to process. How did so much change so quickly? This is not a casual or an easy read, but it is an important one. And I actually think if you pay close attention, you'll find it to be a joy to read. I think he's a phenomenal writer, even dealing with a difficult thing to write about. And hey, at the end of the day, everyone else seems to be reading it. So why not you and I? Book number eight, Cape Horn to Starboard by John Kretschmer. There is always at least one sailing book on this list, so please indulge me and forgive me. I like to sail, but my days on the water are usually when the weather is calm, usually with my family and a Diet Coke. We sail on a local freshwater lake, so the adventures we take don't go all that far. But I sure do like to read about others who go further. John Kretschmer is my favorite sailor writer. Hopefully you catch what I did there. I saved you on recommending his books on things like extreme weather tactics or sailing techniques. This book, Cape Horn to Starboard, recounts his crazy venture to round Cape Horn, sailing east to west on a 32-foot sailboat, a sloop. Basically, if you don't know, that's crazy, and no one had done it until he did. I'll keep this one fairly short because I realize that my audience on this book may be more limited than the others, but man, John can write, and it is a great book and a great story. Book nine, The Case for Heaven by Lee Strobel. I received an early copy of Lee's new book and had an opportunity to have him on the Pastor Writer podcast. I jumped at that opportunity. In my opinion, Lee has created an entire genre of Christian books, and his Case for Christ had a big impact on me when I was younger. I read this book while I was on a trip to Chicago, literally laying in the hotel all afternoon and evening. I found the book so interesting I couldn't put it down, not even to go (laughs) explore more of Chicago. I got pulled into it. It wasn't what I expected this book to be. It's really, in many ways, maybe most ways, a book about death and the question of the afterlife. I'm aware that books with death in the title probably don't sell as well as books with the word heaven in the title. Lee's book isn't sentimental in any way, though. He deals with really hard questions, hell being one of them. And in his typical journalistic approach, he introduces you to a fascinating cast of intellectuals and scientists— I found myself Googling and reading more from the experts he interviewed. I came away from the book realizing the strange way we avoid the topic of death. We do ourselves and our congregations, if you're a pastor, a great disservice in avoiding it. I found myself not only thinking more about death, thinking more about heaven, but also recommending this book and striking up conversations about it since reading it. I think it'll have the same important impact on you. Book 10. The Flourishing Pastor by Tom Nelson Something is happening with the pastoral vocation right now. For a long time, I struggled to make sense of the pastoral, local, shepherd model I was somehow stumbling my way into as a pastor. Perhaps I just didn't know where those books were hiding on some shelf somewhere, but I didn't know writers or books that were helping me process it. I didn't find writers who could articulate or encourage that sense of pastoral vocation that I was living Perhaps my affections for Eugene Peterson stem from that sense of isolation. I always felt like his writings were a window that somebody had opened to let in light and fresh air, and I clung to those books. I needed them, particularly early as a pastor. But lately, there has been a stream of books on pastoring which are both profound and well-written and help reshape the imagination for what pastoral work can and, in my opinion, should look like. If you haven't read Sinkbull's The Care of Souls, uh, it's a must-read. It's been on my list from last year, and you should pick it up. And add to it Tom Nelson's new book, The Flourishing Pastor, Recovering the Lost Art of Shepherd Leadership. I know there is currently a lot of attention being given to the spectacle of big church failures, but I want to suggest that something far less glamorous is taking place, something that should make us all feel encouraged. Pastors, are putting their heads down and embracing the call to just be a pastor. And they're finding a steady stream of voices and books to help them do that work well, with dignity. I think John's book is exactly one of those. A book that will give you a sense of what the real pastoral work is, how to do it with a sense of dignity, and to use his word, how to flourish in the midst of that vocation. Honestly, I'm pretty optimistic about the church recovering what it means to be a pastor. God seems to be doing something by giving us all of these great books to help us recover it. And Tom's book belongs on that list. So there you have it. My 10 books for 2021. A little housekeeping before we wrap this one up. Um, I will be taking off from the podcast the rest of December through the holidays, but come January, there's going to be a lot going on with the podcast. As you've probably heard me say, and I'm sure will hear me say many more times to come, this book, The Five Masculine Instincts, that I've been working on for about five years now, well, it finally releases on March 1st of 2022. I'm planning on beginning January with a full update on the book, pre-order information as well as opportunities for some giveaways and bonuses that go along with pre-orders. I've been working on a lot of that for several months now. There's a lot to come, and we're finally so close to being able to share it with you, and honestly, I just can't wait. So stay tuned. And if you haven't subscribed, now would be the time to do that. I'll be sharing information by email. You can join the email list on the website, PastorWriter.com, or make sure you subscribe here wherever you listen to podcasts. I'll have information on the show as well. I'm already working on content for January and February around the book, and I think it's going to be good. I'm excited with how it's turning out, and so I'm uh, just looking forward to being able to bring you in, so make sure you subscribe. Between now and then, I would love to hear what you've been reading. Uh, Maybe you would create your own list and share it with me, post it in the Pastor Writer Insiders group on Facebook or anywhere on social media and tag me. The reality is books and the authors who write them, they depend on us talking about those books and sharing those books. So the best thing you could possibly do for the books you love or the author who wrote them is just share them. Tell somebody that this was a helpful book this last year. So let's do it. What did you read that impacted you most in 2021? I can't wait to hear about it and maybe add some of your books to my reading list for 2022. Let's wrap this episode up by just simply saying Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, thanks for an incredible year, and I'm really looking forward to great things to come for you and I both in 2022. As always, you can find show notes for today's episode by going to pastorwriter.com slash 166. There you'll find a complete list of all of the books that I mentioned as well as their Amazon links if you're interested in picking them up. Also, you might consider subscribing. Make sure you're subscribed either to where you listen, so any podcast player, or if you're interested in email updates, I do send those out and sometimes those include additional information like articles, blog posts. You can do that by just going to pastorwriter.com and uh, putting your email address in there. You can do it at the bottom of these episode notes and uh, that'll make sure you're up to date on everything by email also other way to get updates if you want join the pastor writer insiders group you can get there it's a private facebook group by just going to pastorrider.com slash insider as always thanks for listening until next time